Local businesses deserve local decision-making, and that's why Oconee State Bank is proud to announce that Philip Edwards and Chad Thomason will be leading the loan production office for the athens Clark County area. With strong market knowledge and accelerated decision-making, Chad and Philip can help area business owners, entrepreneurs, developers, doctors, and others move quickly to respond to opportunities. Let your business experience remarkable this year with Oconee State Bank, OconeeStateBank.com, member FDIC, and Equal Housing Lender. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio inside the Senesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Beyond the Cupola, presented by Oconee State Bank. At Oconee State Bank, experience remarkable. And hello again, everybody, and welcome to Beyond the Cupola here on Business Radio X. We're broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio in the beautiful Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. And Beyond the Cupola is brought to you by Oconee State Bank, where they love to experience remarkable. And we always have guests here that uh, will have experienced remarkable, and they share their remarkable stories here on this show. And joining us today is uh, Lucas Acosta. He's the founder and CEO of of Fuji. Uh, Lucas, welcome to the program. Hey, great to be here. And also uh, joining him is uh, Tom Wilson, uh, EVP and Chief Credit Officer with Oconee State Bank. And uh, Tom, we always love having our guests and friends here from Oconee State Bank, so thank you for coming by. Thank you. We want to share your story, Lucas, and talk about your success over the last 10 years as a successful entrepreneur and and business owner and learn all about uh, Fuji. Uh, Before we do that, uh, Tom, uh, he's here as as a guest of yours in the Coney State Bank, and uh, uh, you you just had some really good ideas and and reasons why you wanted to bring Lucas on. Yes, thank you, Mike. We were introduced to Lucas in 2015 by a mutual business client. And we wanted to do a client event for our investment services clients. And we wanted to do a technology event. And we were introduced to Lucas. He came in, did a great job for us in that space, and really felt like he's got a unique capacity to speak to the audience in a meaningful manner about a topic that oftentimes is very confusing to most of us. So felt like he would really bring some value to the business, small business audience of this program and hope that's the case. And when I was talking to you, Lucas, before the show, I said, okay, I, I'm not from the era where I grew up with technology. My my kids know a lot more about it than I do. In fact, you helped me figure out why my own iPhone wasn't ringing. and <laughs> It was just one button, so I feel like a, a complete fool. So I said, when we, we start talking in the show, let's, let's dump it down so I really understand it. Uh, but Tom tells me that you're really good about explaining things without having to get too technical and losing a lot of folks. And I would think that might be kind of hard for, for a younger person these days when they're talking about their technology technology business to remember that not everybody yet has grown up with this with, with this technology now now 30 40 years ago when the old fogies like myself are gone everybody will still be around that grew up with it but but you got to remember that there's a certain segment of the population that it's still a learning curve for them yeah it sure is and i and i don't fault that generation for that and i even wonder you know as many of us probably think about our business in 10 years and 20 years what what will Fuji look like in 20 years when millennials are running the businesses and millennials are the EVPs? Will, what will our um, niche be? What service will we be providing? And uh, it, took me, it didn't take, take me long to learn that even college kids today, they don't want to know how their computer works. They just want it to work. They don't want uh, to know about the ins and outs of security and how 
to not get hacked. They just want to make sure they don't get hacked. So, um, you know, I, I don't fault anyone for not really embracing technology because a lot of times technology is not fun. And I, I think the computing industry in general has done a poor job of making um, everyone feel embarrassed about their lack of understanding of it, right? Like, I, I'm on the other side. I feel like technology should work for us. I feel like technology should be very human. And, uh, you know, humans designed these tools, like Salesforce, um, or humans designed printers, so why can't printers work the way we want them to work? Why are printers so difficult, um, you know, to use? So I'm on the other side. If you run into a computer problem, it's most likely a computer problem. It's not a user problem. Um, and so I, I, I tend to blame the manufacturers more so because I, that's, I think, where the, where the issue starts. We're going to get into Fuji and exactly what your company does, Lucas, but it, uh, just kind of a funny story. I, I just bought a home. We were moving in this week, and we have nice. thermostats now where we can control them with an app on our phone. Mm. And I'm like, okay, when is it too much? Do I really need that? <laughs> I'm telling you. Mike, when um, when it's bedtime and your wife says it's too hot or too cold, it's really nice to just make that change on your <laughs> iPhone. So I don't think we've hit that threshold yet. I got you. Okay. So your company is Fuji, and folks are saying, wow, Fuji, that's a huge company. Right. But but you, you, you're not that Fuji. You're, 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 you're not the camera company. Correct. Uh, you're, you're F-O-O-J-E-E. Talk about first... Talk about what you do first, then we'll talk mm -hmm. about the name. Sure, sure. Uh, so we are a full-stack IT shop, which that might already make people uh, bored just hearing words <laughs> like that. But we're basically IT guys uh, for small businesses um, that uh, help businesses based on Apple products. So uh, we typically work with businesses that have a few Macs uh, on staff, or maybe they just have um, iPhones. The employees have iPhones, or maybe your sales fleet or your field services team has iPads. Um, what we do is we're recruited into small businesses, um, sometimes short-term, sometimes as a managed service provider, um, to, to basically lead the Apple technology um, in their firm. And so while... And, and that's the, the first, the, the big prerequisite is it's, it is Apple, because, because there are a lot of companies do what you do, but you, you've honed in specifically on Apple. Exactly. And we work alongside of a lot of great Windows-based, like traditional IT companies. Um, because they're great at what they do. We need Exchange. We need Office 365. We need Cisco VPNs. Um, but what companies need more and more these days is for their iPhone to work with all of that business technology. Um, you know, there's a trend um, that, that's used in our industry called the consumerization of IT. And what that is, all the business owners probably already know what that is by hearing it. It's when your employees walk in with an iPhone and they just want your business tool to work on their iPhone or they just want your business applications to run on their MacBook air, you know, that they brought to the company. And so uh, where we are positioned is helping businesses just augment a little bit of their infrastructure so that their iPhones can plug right in their Macs, their iPads can plug right in into their security requirements and backup requirements. We're talking with Lucas Acosta here on the Oconee State Bank program, Beyond the Cupola. He's the founder and CEO of Fuji. Uh, talk about your background. How did you get sure. from where you were to, to where you are today? Right. So I used to work at Apple as a trainer. Um, so I was more on the, on the people side of things. I tried uh, a little bit of programming in school and 
just learned that I'd rather be on the people side of, of computing. Um, so I was a trainer there and I was working 40 hours a week asking for approval to work overtime, not because I just, you know, needed to work overtime, but I was really trying to make change happen, really had some great ideas. And I was hitting the ceiling in the corporate world because I couldn't do what I really wanted to do. And I thought at 22 years old, you know what? I could just go out on my own. I have an hourly rate. I only have to work a few hours a week. I can take month long vacations. This is going to be amazing. Uh, why doesn't everyone start their business? Uh, so I was completely naive. And you soon found out the answer why. Yep, exactly. In fact, I had a co-founder. He left after two years because it, running a business was not what it was cut out to be. Um, and that was a crossroads for me too. Just kind of making that decision. Wow. Do I throw in the towel with him? Um, take a salary job, which sounded amazing at the time. Um, it took several years to really have a stable income. Um, you know, but I also thought to myself, as I was talking to my wife, it was the weekend where I had to make my decision. Am I throwing in the towel with him so we can close our doors or do I take this on my own? And I was talking with my wife about some ideas that, that we both still had of ways that we could really change IT. And my heart started racing. And I just realized right there having dinner that if I worked uh, for a job position somewhere else, I wouldn't be able to just chase that ambition of trying something new. And so while this is the hardest thing I've ever done, um, it's a complete roller coaster sometimes in the same day. Um, it is really neat to work with a team where we can try new ideas and kind of reap the rewards from those ideas. Um, so that's, that's, you know, what I'm, what I'm doing. Uh, we've been doing it for 10 years now and the name started, um, with just my favorite Apple, you know, we're an Apple IT company. So I had to have fun with the name and, uh, the regular spelling of Fuji obviously was already taken right. and uh, I didn't want a long domain name. So I went for the, just a phonetic spelling of Fuji, uh, so we can have a clean domain name, Fuji.com. Did you ever hear from the other Fuji saying, wait a minute, you can't use that name? Because you I know. could see maybe some confusion by some folks. <laughs> right. Um, great question. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, but I will tell you that the U.S. Uh, trademark office did approve our name and our trademark, so, you know, 10 years ago. So, so far we seem to be good, and uh, clients keep paying us, so we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Okay, good. And I'm glad your your favorite apple is a Fuji, not maybe not a Granny's apple or something. Yeah, it doesn't roll off the tongue the same way. So, uh, Lucas, as far as your clients, what are the types of businesses that you find yourself working with? Sure. And uh, I was talking w with Tom earlier about this. It's really funny. You would think that as an Apple IT company, we work with um, fast-moving startups and creative shops and a bunch of hippies using Macs, right? Where, in reality, only 10% of our business, our client base is the creative space. Um, our largest segment is law firms. Our next largest segment is medical offices and then financial services firms like financial advisors. Um, and so we work with dentists. We work with law practices in all areas, uh, PI, um, family law, business law. And the majority of our business um, is made up from small businesses. So it's it's no different than me, Fuji, you know, with a handful of employees. It usually takes one person in the company that has an iPhone that wants to make the jump to a Mac. And they think, oh, wow, this is really cool. I want everyone in my company to use a Mac. But how do we make sure we're upholding the same security? 
How do we make sure our old applications like QuickBooks and Word and Excel and Outlook are going to work on the Mac? Um, and so that's really where we come in. Um, so any kind of small business is, is really what we serve. We, we do do some short-term consulting for larger enterprises. Um, but as far as our bread and butter goes, you know, we, we love small business. Great. So 10 years in business, and, and here you are. Um, how big are you? Is it, I mean, is it just yourself? Do you have a staff now? How big yeah. have you grown? And uh, just to kind sure. of get a, an idea of, of your scope, you give us as much information as you want. I mean, your annual revenues, how, how big have you grown this so far in a decade? Yeah, sure. So what's really funny, and I, um, you know, it took me several years to kind of learn this lesson, but I really wanted my headcount and my team to illustrate our success right? Whenever you're talking with other business owners, when you're talking uh, with your family during the holidays, hey, how big are you now? Right? How many people right. are on your team and now? You want everybody giving the same answer, hopefully, and be on the same page. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and there's been periods where we've staffed up uh, for some enterprise contracts where they need help desk services. Um, but right now, our core team is four people. And those four people um, handle... Um, really uh, over a couple of hundred different businesses. And uh, we also have an office in Nashville. So we opened up shop um, with a gentleman named Jimmy Smith, who leads our Nashville office full time there about two years ago. Um, And, you know, with our relationship with Apple, uh, we're brought into, you know, people who walk into the Apple store um, who who need kind of a, a, an on-site solution to integrate their Apple products. And, and so we're, we're crushing it right now in Atlanta, Nashville. We've got a handful of clients in Huntsville and Charlotte as well. So kind of Southeast-based. And really, with the advent of remote tools and remote technologies, we can work from anywhere. And that's what we wish for our clients as well, that, that you have tools where you can work from anywhere. Um, not because we're asking our team to work long hours, but we don't know where our business takes us. And sometimes... Um, it's all over the state, and so we use central phone systems, you know, central ticket managing systems and whatnot um, to kind of optimize the small team that we have right now. Yeah. Uh, Tom, you uh, obviously brought Lucas in, and you talked earlier about uh, how long you've known him. What is it about Lucas that has impressed you the most in the time that you've gotten to know him? Because, he's, you know, my, obviously the first time I've met him, but obviously seems to have a great head on his shoulders and uh, understands where he's going. Well, the the interesting part to me about Lucas is he can talk to whoever the audience is in a manner where they grasp what he's talking about. And technology's a little hard to do in that manner, at least to me. And at the same token, I think he has a unique ability to craft solutions that meet the needs of the client he's talking to. So, for example, if you need a customer relationship management system, Um, those are usually overwhelming type of products in terms of the integration required in terms of the scope of running it within an organization. Lucas has an ability to look back at the client and say, what are you trying to accomplish? How much are you trying to put into this? And he's got an answer that's from a such basic answer that you and I could learn it today, I promise you, and not have a new tool on our devices to the answer that says, let's go to the next level. You're not big enough for some enormous expensive program, but let's take you to the next level. Or you have a dispersed sales force and you say, I need them to be productive. I need them to have the tools they need. But at the same token, I need to know what they're doing. I need to understand where we are in our sales process, who our clients and prospects are. Mm -hmm. 
and we need the information to be protected because if it got unprotected, our clients would look back at us with ire and say, wait a minute, you just exposed my information to the world. Yeah. So he's got a unique ability to meet those needs with a non-technical client across the table, in my opinion. Yeah, you make a great point there. And I'll, I'll uh, kind of recap that with, with two points. Um, one thing that we, we try to do is when, when a customer comes to us asking for the right sales tool, like a CRM, we've maybe all looked at Salesforce or Sugar CRM. There's a lot of sales tools there where you can record your customer information, total sales, you know, through the lifetime of the customer. Um, what, what I typically do is start with basic and I want to see what they're doing now to manage their sales. And I'll tell you, while there are some really cool ones out there, for example, HighriseHQ.com is an awesome, simple sales tool for a small business uh, to kind of keep all of your customers in one, one place. As a salesperson, if you're responsible for business development, I personally use the complex application known as Notes that comes for free on your iPhone <laughs> and your Mac and your iPad. And what I've learned over the years is that no matter... And gosh forbid you actually use paper and pencil. Right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and what I'll be the first uh, person to say is that if is no matter how many features your application has and how many checkboxes it does for your team, if your team is not going to use it, it's completely pointless. Um, and so my sales method is in a to-do note, and every week... I copy and paste my current list of opportunities for the next week. So I've got my new checklist on who to touch base with that following week. Um, and I, I make notes next to their name on what we last talked about. So I have an objective for that next phone call or that next email, next interaction with them. Um, and so whether you're deciding on a CRM for a whole company or you're just an independent professional that needs to manage their own sales, um, I would shy away from the complex tools because you're not going to use it. They're boring to use, um, especially if you have a, a team of salespeople. They're not going to enter their information either. Um, so the the other point that Tom made was about security. And um, what he was referring to is, is having an MDM solution for your mobile devices. Um, so I'm already getting into acronyms. I apologize. That term stands for Mobile Device Management. So thankfully, it's a pretty straightforward acronym. And an MDM is just a cloud-based tool that allows you to enforce security uh, settings on any mobile device. So that if you have client information on your, on your email, for example, um, your, when your employees join, you can just ask them to enroll in your MDM so that if it gets lost or stolen, you can remove that email account remotely over the internet um, or even wipe the phone if it becomes you know, completely lost. So it's, uh, have you used like a uh, Apple's find my iPhone feature? Mm -hmm. It's part of your iCloud yeah. account, right? Find my iPhone is a brilliant, you know, million dollar feature that's free for consumers. But as a business owner, I can't enforce that and kind of maintain compliance for my employees iPhones, right? I, th that's a consumer service. So what an MDM does, it's another layer of security so that whether or not they know what iCloud is or if they're signed in to find my iPhone, um, I as a business owner can remote wipe their device because, hey, my business information is on their their phone. So, of course, you don't want to do it. You want to do it with their compliance and making sure that the whole team knows what they're 
they're enrolling into on their iPhone and that no information is being logged or anything like that. Um, but a mobile device management is, is one of the, the simplest tools um, to implement a, a really world-class security policy for your small business, whether you're three people or 30 people or you know we're doing a project right now with 3,000 people. Um, and MDM is, is really recommended for, for any, any business that uses mobile phones. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you talk, Lucas, and I, I hear the passion and, and, and see the passion as I watch you talk. Where did this all come from? Where did, where did this love for technology begin? Were you that little kid that was, you know, taking apart the radio and things like that? Or was it your first <laughs> computer? Or where, did, where did this come from? Oh, that, that's a great question. You know, I, uh, I'll credit my older brother was the, was the guy who took apart stuff and put it back together. Um, I'm the middle child, so I ended up being the mediator. And uh, through mentors <laughs> helping me figure out life, I've, I've actually learned that I really like when I can uh, flip on a light bulb for someone. I really um, enjoy it when, when I can share something with someone that lights them up, that lets them do their work better, um, or you know, fun- fundamentally changes what, what they're able to do. So whether that's with an iPhone or a smart thermostat, that you've got at your house. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think um, I just enjoy finding really the tools that actually work because there's a lot of cruft out there. If you just go to Amazon and search smart thermostat or smart smart plug on Amazon, um, you're going to see a lot of options. So I really go for the tools that work that are near 100% reliable, and I stick to those tools. And um, I'm just an evangelist. I want everyone to just use the simple technology because it can be simple. Mm-hmm. As we uh, get back to Fuji now, and you talked about serving these different markets and cities that you're serving and, and the clients you serve, how are you growing the business? Where are you finding your new business? I'm, I'm assuming a lot of it's probably word of mouth, but but how are you mm-hmm. growing the company? Because obviously you got the day-to-day operations, um, but, but part of it, of course, is you have to, as the leader, you have to have the vision. Right. No, great question. And um, also as an entrepreneur, like you you can't stop experimenting. Um, as many of the listeners know now, you've probably tried everything in the book to, for lead generation uh, to get your word out there, some marketing tactics. And um, what we've really tried everything. We've tried everything from public speaking, you know, signing up for more public speaking gigs, um, ebooks on our website. We even have a YouTube show that we really kind of do for our customers. Um, we, we record videos with Apple based tips for business owners, um, uh, on YouTube. You can just search Fuji, a little plug there. Um, is that the Fuji show? Yep. That's the the Fuji show. Yep. Um, and you know, the good and bad about our name is that it's not a real word. So you just have to spell it right and then you can find it. But if you do spell it right, then we're the only, only result. F O O J E E. That's right. We can't say that enough. (laughs) Right. Thanks. So uh, to go back to your question, how do we do lead gen? Um, It, what what I'll say, I do know. Look at that. See mm -hmm. the young, the younger guys lead gen won't even say the whole word. Well, we we don't have time for that. Just lead gen. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You know, every business will have a different method and every business in a different season will have a different method. So we might find ourselves in a season where cold calls might be best for us. Um, I've tried that and failed miserably. Um, and we've, again, we've done everything in the book. And what I've found for our uh, business and our season right now is strategic partners. So that is other uh, Windows IT shops that need Mac and Apple expertise. 
they'll rope us in. Um, they know that we're not going to take their clients away because uh, we, we don't have one uh, Windows certification in our company. So we're laser focused on Apple. Um, and so strategic partners ends up being uh, kind of our, our main referral source. Um, and of course, it, it always starts with the, the product and service we have, like you mentioned, through referrals. So if we're doing a fantastic job with our clients, you know, there is some word of mouth that happens also. Let me ask you a strange question as we get near the uh, the end of the show, Lucas. And, and you mentioned you tried cold calling and it didn't work. And my generation, I'm sure Tom's generation, that's really that was we. It was always cold calling and so forth. There was that mm-hmm. that that social interaction between people, mm-hmm. and it seems like we are losing that today with more technology. We're supposed to be more efficient, which I guess we are. It also seems to bring more chaos in many ways. Right. But but the 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 the, the generation the, the the millennial. And I'm, I'm, I'm obviously getting generalizing right now. Sure. It seems like there's less and less interaction. There, there is no social, it seems, in social media. People just hmm. talking to each other in the same room as opposed to people in a room all looking at their phone these days. Right. Uh, it, it, yeah, it is interesting. And I even think about this from my three-year-old daughter. Like, what, yeah, what are we doing? With, what are we going to do? Their interactive skills with, with other people. Their interpersonal skills, I right. should say. I mean, I, they're, they're, they're going to be damaged. They're going to suffer. That's a fun conversation that, that we can all, you know, uh, continue to have uh, later on. But yeah, like... I think society is just learning what Facebook really is and what um, these social media so, uh, services really are. Um, everyone's just guessing. I think there's a lot more regulation that's come that will come in the next few years when we realize what it's doing to ten-year-old uh, brains in terms of social interaction. Yes. Um, I personally hope that there's a, an age limit that's enforced. Right, like smoking is enforced at eighteen, drinking at twenty-one. I hope that Facebook will one day get fined if a 10-year-old signs up for Instagram um, so that it'll be on on Facebook and Instagram's uh, incentive to verify the age properly, right? So that uh, I'll, I'll, I won't get any more political than that um, because this really is affecting the younger minds. Um, but but to go back to your conversation, <laughs> right? I could, we could have a whole other show. That's a really fun one. Because I'll yeah. ask my son, who's now eighteen, you know, what are you doing? And I'm playing. With, I'm playing with my friends, and right. they're all on Xbox, talking to each other, and you know, streaming live, and mm-hmm. they're playing against each other. Yep. But they're not really. Which is fun, and, and they're I not to, in the same room. Yeah, it's it's true, um, and I'm I'm one of those too, right? Um, but but to go back to your question, how does it affect sales, right, and targeted calls? Um, right now, the buyer once uh, starts with zero trust um, and wants free information before they're going to be willing to pay. Um, you know, in the '90s, the salesperson would would be able to sell something on a promise, and then you decide if you're going to continue hiring that person or that company. Right now, uh, buyers want six months of learning about your company, watching your. Uh, YouTube shows, right? Mm-hmm. Or listening to your podcast or reading your blog and seeing what you tweet about before they build that trust. So if you, um, I'm not saying everyone needs to be on social media 24 seven, you business owners out there. But what I am saying is that you should put yourself out there because your customer uh, in January of 2019 just visited your website today. And they're going to use the next six months to make a decision on if they're going to actually call you. So that's what where I think social media can be used right now is for that vetting process and just giving away free information um, because at the end of the day, you're the expert, 
and if you can prove that you're the expert, then they'll hire you. So it's, it's a bit more of a lead time, and you need to leverage those social media tools. All right, great stuff. What is it about Fuji that you want people to know about that I may, may not have asked you today? No, uh, that's a great question. Um, I, you're, you're seeing I only ask great questions on the show. You're, you're really good at that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, <laughs> Fuji.com is, is the best place to, to learn more about us. And you can sign up for our newsletter. Um, we uh, really don't use that newsletter very often. However, there are changes underway right now with our video um, efforts. And we really want business owners to know about the new iOS 12 on your iPhone that's coming out this fall which will, by the way, make your phone faster. Um, it won't slow down your phone. Apple has uh, made it very clear that they, they learned their lesson. They learned their lesson. They're trying to make the, the iOS faster. Um, and uh, what we're going to uh, start doing is shifting our current YouTube show into a shorter format so that business owners can can really learn these nuggets to take back home to their business and to their you know personal lives, too, because you know, our iPhones are used for business and work, um, you know, back and forth throughout the, our, our 20 hour days. Okay. So to see that, go to YouTube and then type in uh, Fuji or the Fuji show F O O J E E. Mm-hmm. And they'll see that there. And then the website again is Fuji.com. Correct. That's it. Great. Uh, great to meet you, Lucas. Thank you for sharing your information. I feel like we could talk for another hour. Uh, yeah, but thank continued you. success. I mean, obviously you've grown in 10 years. I wish you uh, success over the next decade and for years to come. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mike. And, and Tom, uh, before we let you go as well, as Chief Credit Officer at Oconee State Bank, I want to make sure we give a little uh, shout out for you as well. Who are the types of customers that you're looking to attract? Well, our primary space is exactly what Lucas has talked about his to be. We're, we're in small businesses, our primary customer base. And we also have some other similarities. Customers who are in small business never went into small business to spend a lot of time doing banking business. They didn't go into business to spend a lot of time in technology management. So, in effect, when they look to us, a banking institution, or they look to a technology provider, what they want is somebody who comes in and makes things work in a manner that is conducive to their business continuing to grow and succeed. And that's what we hope we do. That's certainly what we try to do. We look for solutions in customers' requests, whether it's directly in line with what they ask us for or whether we look at what they ask us for and we say, you know what, there might be another way to do this that you might actually find to be better. And it's an option. If you don't find it to be better, that's okay. But I think that's the common thread that we've got is that we're trying to help customers be able to focus on the practice of law on the practice of medicine, on whatever their business is, because none of them went in business to do technology or financial banking services. I always love it when I talk to my friends at Oconee State Bank about what the the things that you do and the services you provide. Because again, growing up as a kid, all the banks had the you, know, you had your savings account and your checking account, and that was it. And these days, with the consultation, the financial things you can do portfolios it's it's amazing the breadth and scope of, of what a bank like you like a coney state bank has to offer well i appreciate that and and what we hope to pride ourselves in what we strive for every day is to move quickly and nimbly and and be responsive um that that's what customers are looking for they're not looking for a three to four week experience of waiting to hear what's going to happen yeah and the website is oconey state bank dot com correct that's right exactly great if people want to reach out to you talk about your services how can they reach you well i'm actually more in the backroom side on the credit side so i don't handle customer relationships to a large extent i have a few uh but really on the website 
Well, it is. But at the same token, what we would love to do is connect them with a person. Um, so if they're in Gwinnett, we'd love to connect them with Mike Fulton or with Josh Osborne or with Steve Filmer and Deborah Worley. If they're in the Watkinsville, Athens area, we've got a number of people over there we'd love to connect them with. Uh, we like to think that it's a consultative process. So we talk about what the customer's trying to accomplish, and we try to add value to what the options are as to how they get there. Great, great. Thank you, Tom, very much. Thank you. Tom Wilson with Oconee State Bank, and also a thank you to uh, Lucas Acosta uh, with Fuji here on Beyond the Cupola. A reminder, you can listen to the show anytime live on Thursdays at 1 o'clock Eastern Time, or you can check out any of the previous shows by going to businessradiox.com, select the Gwinnett Studio, and then click on Beyond the Cupola, and you'll see all our past episodes there. For our producer, Trey, I'm Mike, and we will see you next time here on Beyond the Cupola.